Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Amen to that, right? Well, good morning. Welcome to Hope Church again. If we have not yet met, my name is Mark. I'm the pastor here, and I am thrilled to see each and every one of you here today. We are working through our series entitled True Virtue. Last week when we gathered, we talked about integrity and how integrity basically means living an integrated life. Oftentimes, we are guilty or we see other people who are guilty of living segmented or compartmentalized lives where we have our Sunday morning self and we have our self for the rest of the week. Living a life of integrity means that we are the same person wherever we are, whatever we're doing, when no one is looking. And that means in order for us to live a life of integrity, not a life of disintegration, but integration, we need to make sure that our behavior and our beliefs match. That's how we got to this point today where we are talking about perseverance. Now, who in here has ever had their perseverance tested? Anybody? We all do, right? I mean, it, this is one of the reasons why uh, school can be so arduous, but also so important. We need to learn these lessons from the moment we are teeny tiny so that we can know how it is that we are supposed to uh, find that next gear, so to speak, that stick to that we need. Uh, I don't know if that's a real word or not, but I remember Donnie Wahlberg from New Kids on the Block talked about having stick to and it stuck to it in me. Uh, anyway, so anyway, but it's, there you go. That's where I came from. If you ever wonder, where did that stick to it come from? Donnie Wahlberg, New Kids on the Block. Um, so we're hanging tough. So we're going to continue with our message uh, before we, go, before we uh, fall off the rails any further. Uh, but I, I think about like when we have toddlers and things, little tiny children, we're trying to teach them the basic lessons of how to uh, live in the home and the family. Uh, and oftentimes it begins with eating your vegetables, right? Cleaning up your toys, brushing your teeth, uh, you know, basic personal hygiene, things like that, right? And one of the things that I remember so vividly from uh, when Ethan and Mia were tiny, uh, and hopefully we'll get to experience it with the baby uh, soon, uh, no, no, no real updates in case anybody's asked, but uh, uh, it's like cleaning up the toys and things. When you go to a child who's just a, a toddler, if you were to go and say clean up the room, they're likely to do the exact opposite, Right? But if you go to them and say, put this teddy bear in that basket, and you actually work with them and walk with them and help them make sure that said teddy bear gets in said basket, they learn that rhythm. They learn that repetition. And that perseverance is developed when they want to stop after putting away the second or third toy uh, because they need to hear us as their parents or their caregivers continuing to urge them along, say, don't give up, don't quit. We're going we're to stick to this until the task is complete. Problem is, if you've ever been around toddlers, they are ready to give up after the second or third toy, right? They're ready to give up when they feel like someone is telling them, I need you to do this. I need you to put this toy here. I need you to brush this tooth as well as the rest of them. I need you to, you know, well, perform personal hygiene activities. We feel like giving up. We need that encouragement that tells us to keep on when everything else tells us to let go. 
I'll be honest with you, last year, particularly the last three or four months, really tested my perseverance. I mean, seriously tested. The issues that we were facing when we were separating from the United Methodist Church denomination, the issues I was having with my eye, other health issues that we had in the family. We had three procedures within the span of just about a month last year between Tiffany and me alone. Losing my stepdad, helping my mom work through the grief and getting ready to move down here. Mom, actually, I, I think I just spilled a bean or two. Mom's probably watching, hey mom, I just told everybody you're moving down here in a couple weeks. So, uh, woo! Yeah, so uh, sorry about that bean that got spilled. But anyway, so all these kinds of things. And, and I had to really tap into some inner strength that I had not really felt challenged in a number of years. The things that dealt with my identity. Oh, I also should have mentioned the adoption issues. The, we're in that period of waiting right now. So when I think about health issues, my identity as a pastor in the United Methodist Church versus a child of God, a vocational Christian, the adoption stuff, the health issues we had, it was testing and challenging all of my core ideas and identities about who I am and how I'm called to live out in God's world. That's when we need perseverance to hold us and pull us through. Now, the good news is, is what I experienced in my own life, hopefully you've experienced it too, is that we are never called to do this life alone, are we? And so as a result of the beautiful community of faith that we have here at Hope Church, there are people who walked with us along the way, even when that was uh, driving us to a doctor's appointment or providing a meal for us, whether it was a casserole at the house or a gift card so that we could uh, order DoorDash or something. There are all kinds of ways, big and small, but all of them were massive, that helped us to tap into that perseverance. People who attended meetings that I couldn't attend because I was recovering from uh, an eye procedure, all kinds of things, right? We need this community of faith, this community, this family, really, to help us find that next and extra gear of perseverance. So our first text this morning comes from 1 Timothy chapter 4, 16. We read the Apostle Paul wrote these words, Watch your life and doctrine closely. We'll talk about doctrine here in just a second. Persevere in these because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is a verse that I actually found after I was going through that really dark, difficult time in my life where I heard the Apostle Paul say these words as though he was writing them specifically to me in a text on my iPhone or my iPad. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Now, I would be remiss if I were to say that I handled it perfectly. I gained about 10 pounds because I was eating all kinds of comfort food. In fact, I think I ate all the food in the house a couple times, right? Those are things that helped me cope. There were times I didn't sleep real well. And as a result of all that stress, it just felt like it was weighing on me and weighing me down. I actually shrunk an inch last week, last year, and I don't have an inch. I'm kidding, I didn't shrink an inch, but uh, uh, I don't have an inch to shrink anyway. So. But when we Apostle Paul wrote, when he said, Watch your life and your doctrine closely and persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. What we are called to realize is that what we know and what we show is how God helps us grow. What you know and what you show is how God helps you grow. And not just how God helps you grow, how God helps other people grow as a result of what it is that you've gone through, what you've endured, the things to which you've persevered. The best person to help someone who has gone through a tragedy is someone who is a few steps further down the road with them. 
right? Someone who has lost a child or a spouse or a parent can speak about what it means to try to discover and to find a new normal. Someone who has gone through terrible illnesses that requires long-term treatments, daily treatments for months on end, Someone who's been through that and can walk with you through it. Someone who knows what it's like to basically lose vision in one eye and say, hey, there is hope on the other side. You get this procedure, you'll be able to see again. It's those types of things when we have people in our lives that can help us get beyond where we feel stuck and where we feel disoriented, which is another thing about what happens when pressure comes our way, is we have to hold on to our life and our doctrine closely. What it is that we know and what it is that we show. Right? This gets back to a word that we talked about just a few minutes ago, and it rhymes with integrity. Integrity, right? Integrity. This is about living our life fully and wholly for our holy God. Who we are when no one is looking. Making sure that our belief and our behaviors match and are congruent. What you know and what you show can help you and others grow. I want to thank those who helped me grow through that period. We're not completely out of the woods, but we're a whole lot better off than we were even just a few weeks ago. And so we all need this perseverance that helps pull us through or push us forward when we feel like giving up. And so the word perseverance in the Greek is really, really fascinating because the definition from the biblical Greek, and I can't pronounce it, but I put it on the screen because it looks fancy, is it means to stay on, I remain, I remain in, I persist, I persist in. Now, note the personification, the personalization in that definition of the word perseverance from the Greek. It's not just talking about some arbitrary concept of continuing to stay on the course, remaining in the faith, and persisting in hope when you're going through difficulties. It says, I must remain. I must persist. I must stay on the path. The Greek word for perseverance makes it intrinsically personal. I stay on the path. I remain in the faith. I persist in hope. So think about your own life when you have helped your perseverance being tested. How easy was it to stay on the path? How easy is it to remain in the faith? How necessary is it to persist when you feel like quitting? Well, it is absolutely necessary. And it can be hard to remain on the path or to remain on the faith and to stay on the path. There will be some collateral damage. I went to see my doctor this past week after getting through this and... and Telling the doctor, you know, we had some things going on in the family last year of grief and health and all this other stuff. Uh, and I gained about 10 pounds of that 50 that I lost. And you know what the doctor said? It's okay. He didn't tell me to go run a couple laps. To put down the fork. He didn't chastise me. Actually, the fork wasn't the issue. It's the spoon and ice cream sundaes that was really uh, beginning to get me down. The doctor didn't do that. The doctor encouraged me to remember why it was I began, to remain in the discipline that got me to that point where I was and to stay on the path. You see, this is a very natural and somewhat personal thing to share, but I think we can all relate to it, right? 
when we have found the difficulties that causes us to want to quit, to get off the path, and to just stop. I love to quote Sir Winston Churchill. And a couple of his quotes, particularly during World War II, when he says, when you feel like you're going through hell, keep going, right? And then he said to Parliament in the midst of the war, pounding his fist, and I'm sure puffing from his cigar, sipping from his whatever was in that glass, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. I don't know how many times he said it, but it was a lot. Don't quit. Don't quit. Stay on the path. Remain in the faith. Persist in hope. That is precisely what every single one of us needs. In the book of Hebrews, we see this wonderful passage about perseverance, and it uses a little bit of a different word in this. But I want you to to hear these words as we look through Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 37, where the writers of Hebrews says, So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord, right? Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings to you, with an exclamation point. Patient endurance, that's the New Living Translation's uh, translation of uh, perseverance. But patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised for in just a little while the coming one will come and not delay. Patient endurance. Don't lose your confidence but make sure you know where your confidence needs to be. The word discouragement, as you see on the screen, is defined as a loss of confidence. Did you know that? Discouragement is known as a loss of confidence. Think about in your own life when you have felt discouraged. When you have felt like you lost your confidence in maybe your employer, maybe in the government, maybe in the institutions that we see in the world like the Justice Department and uh, health officials and things like that. When you find that discouragement comes, it comes as a result of losing confidence. So what is it that the book of Hebrews in that passage that we read, those three verses, what is it that the book of Hebrews tells us about our sense of confidence? What do you think? Is this thing on? What do you think? Where should our confidence be? In God, right? Our confidence needs to be first and foremost in God. And one of the problems that we face when we're dealing with discouragement is we want to put our confidence in people, places, and things apart from God, secondary to God. And that's not what the passage that we read from Hebrews tells us. It says, do not throw away your confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's work. It means don't quit. Persist. Stay on the path, right? Then you will receive all God has promised. And then he finishes it up with this. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. Put and keep your confident and your confident hope 
and God and not the things of the world. Now, friends, I know that you're looking at me and saying, well, that's easy for you, preacher. No, it isn't. I've already told you. Right? It's hard. It's hard when we see the things in the earth that we can see or we can touch or we can hear or we can smell or we can taste. It's easy when we can utilize our senses to try to understand the things that are around us in the world. And it's a much more difficult thing when we are called to put our faith and our confident hope in that which is unseen. But Hebrews comes later to say that hope and faith actually is having that assurance that the things that you cannot see are real and they will come to pass. The things that you hope for will come to pass. That's where perseverance comes in. And the book of Hebrews gives us this direct tie-in and correlation to the importance and the power of faith. And hope. And love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Faith and hope and love abide these three and the greatest, of course, is love. Quick refresher. Faith means that I believe that God is real, even at times when it might be hard to see or to understand. Hope says, I know that God's way wins in the end. And love is what propels us, motivates us, and moves us from here to eternity. We need perseverance to, to live and to love in a world that is so oppressive toward people of faith. I've struggled this week when I heard a revelation out of Congress that the government has been tagging purchases of people who've bought Bibles and Christian books. I guess I'm on a list. My hope is you're on a list too, maybe. That is terrifying to me. The government wants to know the people who are buying the Bible and books about Jesus. And friends, we need that perseverance that says our confident hope is in God. And the one who promised to come again is going to come without delay. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been many times in the last several months when I've just prayed, Dear Jesus, just go ahead and come on back now. Come on, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And it's easy for me because I can't see all the machinations behind the scenes to say, well, Jesus, you're delaying. The Scripture tells us repeatedly that God is not slow in keeping his promises like we understand it because God exists outside of our understanding of time. And every moment and every day that we persevere, we are one moment and one day closer to the coming of the one who promised to come again and to come without delay. We must persevere. We must proceed in faith and in hope and in love. And as a result, we must continue to stay on the path, remain on the faith, and persist in hope. Can I get a witness? So why do we tend to give up? Three points. This is a gross oversimplification and generalization about why it is that we tend to want to give up as opposed to persevere. First is our perspective is often limited. Now, I almost took that word often out of it because our perspective is limited. We can only see and know and experience what we see and know and experience, right? 
I think about how Donald Rumsfeld talked about the things that, you know, in war you have your known knowns, your known unknowns, and your unknown unknowns, right? Or your known unknowns. The, the things that you know are out there, but you don't know what they are. How many times have you said, I just don't know what words to use or what questions to ask to get me the information that I need? Our perspective is often limited. And with our limited perspective, when we see things going in ways that we would not prefer for them to go, we can get discouraged, right? Come, Lord Jesus, come. The second piece is progress isn't always obvious, right? Progress isn't always obvious. I think back to how I gained all that weight, and now I'm back to trying to lose it again. I'm down four pounds uh, since the first of the year. Got a little bit, little bit more to go. But one of the things that I noticed is that I can get on the scale every single day, and I may see it budge a little bit this way, it budge a little bit that way, depending on what I ate the night before, if I'm retaining water, if I you know, lifted weights, or if I did cardio, whatever it was. Progress isn't always obvious. But when you look at it over the course of a period of time, and average it out, so to speak, you can come to that reality that there is progress being made, even though it may seem subtle, even though it may seem simple. We can't overlook the progress that is being made. Think about where you have had to call upon your sense of perseverance recently and how you don't always see the progress in the meantime, but you average it out over the course of a long time. You realize God was there. And so that progress is so important because even when you can ascertain and discern the minutest levels of improvement and progress, it helps you to trust the process. It helps you to trust the process. Boy, we need that, don't we? We need to trust the process. Trusting the process can be difficult because it can take some time. It can challenge our perspective. It can cause us to question the progress that we see happening along the way. But there is a process, a method to the madness, if you will, that speaks so deeply and dearly into the heart of the believer. I was moved this past week reading some articles about perseverance, about John Wesley, the founder of our Methodist movement. And one of the things that I had forgotten about over the years was he was a staunch abolitionist. That was one of the things that had him in hot water, so to speak, in England. He was a staunch abolitionist. And his friend Wilbur Wilberforce who was involved in helping to promote uh, the abolition of slavery, was getting discouraged because he wasn't seeing the progress that he expected to see, particularly from people of faith. And John Wesley encouraged him in a letter to continue with the process because the progress was there and the process was ultimately going to prove to be faithful, as we can see some 200 plus years later. Praise the Lord. Isn't it great to know that our Wesleyan heritage, our Methodist heritage, has such deep and strong roots in personal freedom and liberty? And all of a sudden, someone's in the back of my shoulder saying, you know, Pastor Mark, didn't you say you left the Methodist church? We just left the United Methodist Church. We are Methodist by, based on what we believe in love, service, Worship, study, these are the things that make us who we are, the things that we can tap into to help us persevere. 
And friends, this is historically significant. And I don't mean just talking about historically here in our United States, but even going back into biblical history. How many of y'all have uh, ever heard or sang the song, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, 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 right? This is a perfect time to take a sip of coffee while y'all finish the song. And the walls came a-tumbling down. The story of the battle of Jericho happens at the end of the Exodus period as the Israelites are making their way to conquer the Holy Land. And God comes to Joshua and he says, I am going to use you to help facilitate this next part of the journey. So we're going to read the first five verses out of Joshua chapter 6. And I want you to pay attention to the verb tenses here and think about some of the things that we've already talked about, right? Stay on the path, persist in the faith, or, you know, continue, remain. How discouragement is a lack of confidence. We must put our confidence in our God. And hear these words, of course, they're going to be on the screen. We read that now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. Now we'll press pause. Did it say, I will give you? What did it say? I have given you. Verse 3, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town how many times? Seven. With the priests blowing the horns, when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loudly as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into town. I love this story because it challenges us to think about the things that we've already seen as played out in the scripture. God told Joshua and the fighting men, I have already given you Jericho. But as Joshua and the army looked, Jericho was a fortified town. The way that Jericho was built was there was a retaining wall, and then the walls of Jericho were actually built up on top of the retaining wall. It kind of makes me think about the house that we had down in Newton. Our house, uh, we had about an eight-foot retaining wall in our backyard, which was great at the time for fencing it in because that gave Ethan and Mia and all the animals a great place to play. And then our neighbors, I guess, they got tired of looking down into our yard. They built an eight-foot fence on top of our eight-foot retaining wall. And so then, after that happened, you look outside the back wall, backyard, and all you see is a wall of wood. It was not all that pleasant, all that pretty. But this is similarly to how Jericho was built. These walls, these massive walls, on top of a retaining wall. And then God tells Joshua to tell the priests and the warriors to march around Jericho once a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, to march around it seven times. How many of you, just be real, would think that was 
silly. We're fighters. We're warriors. We want to conquer this place, not march around it and blow horns. I want to get out my spears, my bows and arrows, my artillery shells. I want to get out the heavy stuff, the big guns. What was God teaching them? He was teaching them he was the big gun. He was teaching them to put their confident trust in him, to be obedient, to persevere, and do what it was that God asked. I can imagine that maybe first, oh, okay, I'll give this a shot. But think about like day three, four, maybe even five. This is ridiculous. Why aren't we just charging the walls? I'm sure there was something like that. But what we see on the seventh day is that as they were obediently marching around Jericho seven times, and they blew the ram horn, but the walls collapsed. Now in the Hebrew, the translation in the Hebrew, it says the wall fell on top of itself. Friends, archaeologists have found in Jericho that when the wall that was on top of, let's do it this way, on top of the retaining wall collapsed, that it collapsed and created a ramp for the Israelites to run up the retaining wall and down into the city. And they burned it to pieces. It was the wall collapsing that gave them the ramp that they needed, the runway that they needed to fulfill God's plan and God's destiny for them. Think about how awesome that is. If they would have tried to attack the city with those walls still intact, they would have been massacred. But by their obedience and following through, persevering, that patient endurance to obediently do what God had called and asked them to do, the walls came a-tumbling down and created the runway that they needed to continue fighting the good fight. The challenge that we face, though, when we see God is asking us to do something that takes time and energy and money and other resources is we may want to try to push the issue or maybe get discouraged because we haven't seen the results at the time in the way that we thought they would. Stephen Furtick, who's the pastor of the Elevation Church, he has this great line. He says, don't quit on six. The breakthrough could be on your very next step. So how many times have you been going through something that was weighing you down and pulling you down, and you were praying, God, bring me the breakthrough. Give me the relief and the release that I need to know that I can continue to stick and push, and work many, many times. And there have been times when I was tempted to quit on the proverbial six just before the breakthrough. But what we see from this powerful story is that when we trust in God, the one who promises to come and not delay, is that he is wanting to do something outstanding and extraordinary that comes from cultivating that faith and that hope, and that love. God often wants to do something in you before he does something for you. God often does something in you before he does something for you. And why is that? It comes back to integrity. But it also talks about how you've got to get your life and your doctrine right. To know what it is that you know, that you can show it 
as God helped you grow. And you living that life of perseverance and obedience and faith and hope and love may be the message that someone needs to be able to put their hope and their faith in Jesus and persevere when they feel like giving up, when they feel like quitting. There's an oft-used, oft-used preacherly quote that says, you may be the only Bible that someone ever reads. And how true that is, right? And so my challenge for you as we bring 75% of this message series to a close today is to persevere. Don't quit on six. Seek the lessons that God may be trying to teach you that you may know them and then you may display them and show the world that God is real and he loves us and has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you're going through a time right now that has you ready to quit, friends, please, stay on the path. Remain in the faith and persist in hope. Stay on God's path. Remain in the hope or in the faith and persist in hope. As the band makes their way back up to lead us in our closing song, a great song about how God defends us in those times when we may be tempted and inclined to quit on six. We pray for God to bring us to breakthrough when we realize that he may be wanting to do something in us before he does something for us. I want to invite you to a time of reflection and prayer that you may think about how God has met you here today to help lead and guide and direct you to do things like stay on the path, remain in the faith, and persist in hope. Will you join me in prayer, please? Living and loving God, with just a moment of silence, I'm going to provide the space and the place for your people to raise to you a challenge that they're currently going through and pray for that breakthrough. Thank you for hearing us. Help us place our confident trust in you. Lord, we confess there are times when we look at the things of this world, even things that deserve our honor, and they let us down because things don't happen the way that we think they should or want them to on the time frame that we determine or discern. And we pray for your intervention. There are times, Lord, when we do pray for your intervention that you show up and show out right then and there. But there are also times that you ask us to obediently follow. And so I pray that we may find the faith to know that there are times you want to do something in us before you do something for us. And help us not to quit before we reach that point because the breakthrough may come on that very next step. And so, Lord God, for those who are feeling discouraged here today, I pray for an encouragement to replace our confidence and our confident hope back in you. And so for those, Lord God, who are contemplating quitting today, I pray that this message, this fellowship of believers, this time in worship may help us stay on the path to remain in the faith and persist in hope. 
knowing that it is your love that showed up and showed out for us and your son and our Savior Jesus who's motivating us to continue working through even the junk that we face here today so that we may live for you and experience that breakthrough. We lift this prayer in his holy, helping, and healing name, Almighty God. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.